And we are recording episode 847, Thursday, June 23rd, 2022 at 2.21 p.m. Eastern time. Was yesterday the longest day of the year or is that today? Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was the 21st, but I may be wrong. Maybe we're both wrong. It could be. Listen, actually, the longest day of the year, I'm pretty sure it was the 20th because that was when we were married 30 years, my husband and I. So I'm pretty certain that's the summer solstice, but I could be wrong. Because I know it was my grandpa's favorite day of the year. My mom was Texas. I think she texted us yesterday, but I wasn't sure. Oh, was it? Okay. You could be I have no idea. She would know. She would know. She would know. I'm, I'm 31, and I remember it was this past December. And I think I was getting ready to like fly up to see my parents. And I was leaving my apartment and it was so dark out. And I was literally 31 years old when I was like, wait, I was like the shortest day of the year. I was like, that must be today because it's the whatever day it was. And I was like, it's six months apart. And I'm like, Tommy, those are things we keep to ourselves because it makes you sound like a four year old. And uh, <laughs> when I found out that solstices were six months apart. But mm-hmm. before I further dig myself into a hole and let people know that I'm not nearly as smart as I pretend to be. Dr. Strange, please introduce yourself. I'm Kristen Strange. I'm a pediatrician, general pediatrician, um, and uh, for about 25 years. And so um, started in about 1997 and after I finished training and um, I work in North Carolina and I work full time and uh, and I enjoy taking care of kids and, 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 uh, and their families and really educating a lot. So, yeah. And so anybody that regularly listens knows that uh, that was a big episode with uh, Dr. Kibi, who I also found through Dr. Uh, Dr. McCullough about pediatric vaccinations, but that was, that was like six, seven months ago. Yeah. As of now, Thursday, June 23rd, 2022, at 2.22 p.m. Eastern time, I was waiting for it to go to 2.22 so I could say all the twos. It was yesterday, the day before or last week that... The, the COVID-19 vaccinations were approved for emergency use for children under five years old. And I think mm-hmm. Dr. Rochelle Walensky came out the other day on Twitter and proudly said she was doing this. And I think yesterday, Publix, was it Publix? No, not Publix. Mm-hmm. But it was a Publix that said that mm-hmm. they will not be administering yes. vaccinations right. to kids under five years old. Now, I don't know right. if that's a, if it's a, if they kind of having a change of heart, I don't know if it's just like an insurance thing where they're like, Hey, no one else can get sued. Maybe we're going to get sued. I don't know what it is, but. And it may be their pharmacist because um, the pharmacist um, do the injections. And so they may not have been trained. Yeah. It may be their age limit is five. So. so it might not even be like this, this like good silver lining. It might just be. It may be. I don't want to, I, I, I don't know. These are one of those things when you hear something and you want to jump on it, but it, you know, I, now I've learned, I've got to pause and go look and see if I can find some backup on that. So now, and there's like, um, there's like an image I saw then. And, and on the note of what you were just saying about, uh, trying to find resources. And that's one thing I found through this podcast is over almost 900 episodes is like, slow down. Don't sink your claws into every juicy headline you see. It's like, let's see where this is going. That's, is this real? Is this fake from COVID to mm-hmm. Ukraine to whatever, Right. Um, but completely negating that, I did see an image the other day that did kind of stick with me. And I guess there is some truth to it. But it said, how does a nonverbal child express heart pain or chest pain? Well, there would be some indication. So in a young child, um, you wouldn't necessarily know heart pain unless they're um, they're old enough to 
localized where they're hurting. But typically someone who's having heart issues, a baby, they're going to have other symptoms like uh, when they're feeding, they're sweating and they're taking a longer time to take their bottle. Um, they're, they don't have the stamina that they did. They may be getting out of breath um, um, and uh, they just don't, they just don't seem quite right. Um, and if you, their heart rate may be very, very high and um, it's, they're kind of, they run high anyway, children do, but um, higher than adults, but it's a lot higher. And so, um, or they may um, in the middle of doing something active, suddenly faint or, um, you know, get exhausted when they were just doing something very simple they normally could have done. So there's some other subtle things you can pick up, but it's definitely harder um, in a child. And especially if it's like micro injury and subtle. So. Yeah. Cause it, because like, how would you, if there was myocarditis, like how would a child aside from just crying, but that's what, that's and they may not cry. They may just be very weak and, and lethargic. Like they just don't, they just can't, you know, they don't have the energy to even lift their head. So they could no. be throwing up too. They might be vomiting. Um, so it could, it could look like a virus, you know, and a lot of times it is post it's after a virus. And so um, you have to um, kind of watch out for those, those symptoms. And when you listen to them, when we listen to them, we're going to hear heart sounds that aren't quite um, they're distant um, and they're, when you feel their pulse um, in their arm or their leg, they're going to, it's going to be diminished or you may not find it at all. So just kind of to throw, just throw it out there. Is there, is there any purpose or is there any use or emergency justification for these? I mean, let alone in kids five years old, but kids under five years old in your professional opinion. In my opinion, um, and just looking at this um, over the years, you know, I've been doing it for a long time and have realized the value of vaccines my entire career and have recommended them my entire career. And um, in watching just how the COVID vaccine uh, was developed, you know, I really started paying attention to it. Whereas before I would really just listen to uh, the CDC or the FDA or the ACIP just tell us or the American Academy of Pediatrics in my case, what is recommended and we as pediatricians, you know, we want to do things to prevent disease and we want to, we don't want to do anything that's going to harm a child. So we trust that the information we get when it's come to market, it means it is truly safe and it is truly effective. But one of the things that I know about vaccinations is it takes at least 10 years to properly develop a vaccine and make sure it is truly safe and truly effective. And plus you have to have a a group of people who need the vaccination. So in other words, their risk of getting the disease um, outweighs, um, you know, any potential um, and rare side effect. And it is something that can really help them. And so it's never supposed to, it's not supposed to help other people. It's supposed to just help the child. And so, so that they don't get harmed. And so I knew just from the beginning, uh, I went, started looking at things just didn't quite seem right. And I went back to see how this was a new technology um, and how was it made? And oh my, or my eyes opened. I was literally in shock. Um, it hadn't really been successful in even animal model studies. Um, and it's been in works, these mRNA vaccines for over 20 years. And in fact, I didn't even know this, but they actually tried a, a trial in um, RSV, respiratory syncytial vaccines in, in messenger RNA in children in the 60s, I believe. And it was um, babies and they were um, 
they were in New York. They didn't do animal model studies beforehand. They gave these babies the vaccines. They work, it worked well according to the antibody levels. And, um, and then they were reintroduced to the virus and these children did not go do well at all. Some of them died. They got sicker than they would have had with just, you know, the RSV alone. And so they, they abandoned that and said back to the drawing board. And then it was in COVID SARS-CoV-1. They reintroduced, um, the messenger RNA vaccine technology and tried to, uh, try to study it again. And so through, I think, three or four animal model studies, um, again, same type of thing happened, worked well for antibody levels and increasing the rise, but it did not do well when the animals were re-exposed. And so you fast forward that to SARS-CoV-2, which is COVID-19. And I was very excited about vaccine. I knew that, you know, among other things, this was a novel virus. Coronavirus has been around forever. I have kids getting coronavirus all the time, but this one was different. And so we didn't know what was going on. And, you know, admittedly in the beginning, I was scared. I was scared for children. Didn't know if we were going to see a 1918 thing. Everybody was scared. You know, so I I was scared. Yeah. So we might, we ever think everybody was. And so we, I just started noticing though, I started seeing the kids coming in and I was like, okay, you know, or or an infant diagnosed and they, we just put them in the hospital because they have COVID and they would just sit in there and look really good. And then child after child and teen after teen, and they were not that sick. And I, you'd see somebody with influenza uh, it, prior to, and they were really sick or strep throat was, they were really, you know, they would act sicker with that. This every single time I kept seeing the children, I was like, wow, this is, this is, it's actually even milder in many cases than the coronaviruses I'd seen before when they were sick with cough congestion for two weeks. So, um, but I was still, you know, happy about having that vaccine. But when it was developed, I started looking, I was already a little skeptical just because of how it didn't go well the first time. I wanted to know what the animal model study showed this time, knowing they couldn't have possibly verified it, that we were safe. And then, you know, you start, it forced me to actually look at vaccine trials and actually look at studies and find out where the source is coming from. So the bottom line is, is that fast forward to now, and what we know now is that children, um, they they don't get that sick. So their, their risk factors are, are very low for severe disease um, unless they have a lot of comorbid um, conditions and 70%, I think now have had COVID. And so if they have natural immunity, which we know from the SARS-CoV-1 pandemics, those people who survived uh, SARS-CoV-1, they actually have really good antibody protection for SARS-CoV-2. So we know this, we've known for a long time that the that the uh, natural antibodies work really well. And they seem to work well, even for the other variants, you might still get it again, but your symptoms are milder than probably they were before. Um, and so for those two reasons alone, I'm saying, why are we vaccinating children? Then you start seeing the side effects coming. And it's, it's a, you know, I, I go back to we keep looking and seeing that the the safety signals are there. They've never been more there than they are now. And so whether you look at the UK data, which is the yellow card system, you look at the Euro, uh, their data, Israel's data, and you look at ours, and ours is through the VAERS reporting, and we know that is super underreported. Most of us has actually been around. I've been around several either children, mainly adults who've had some really significant vaccine side effects. And so um, we have to pay attention to that. We cannot afford to give children at any age a vaccine that's not going to help them, 
It's definitely not helping prevent transmission. <laughs> when every single time we do a big boosting campaign, I see a ton of adults coming in with COVID and it's almost like a correlation. I, I don't, I don't understand it. It's just, and we want these COVID vaccines to go well. And if we don't do that, and this was my concern, if this goes poorly and it looks like already that it has, then we're going to have a whole group of parents. I already do that are so skeptical of any future vaccines. So then it damages the good of what we've been doing all these years. And um, I think that's, and, it, and, and again, it's not just that, it's how we've handled it as physicians and, and as a medical community, how we've handled COVID in general. And because of that, we're, we have lost a lot of trust. I've got a lot of patients and families who've lost, you know, they've lost several members of their family. They didn't get to be with them when they were dying in the hospital. Um, they had some vaccine injury. I'll just say COVID back COVID in general, the spike protein, we know that's what is the problem. Mm -hmm. So I don't even think most of my colleagues know how this messenger RNA vaccine, how it, uh, how it works. And so I think if we all stood back and we'd say, Hmm, is it a good idea at this point for our bodies to be trained in multiple cells of our body to produce that spike protein? because we know that's the problem it is in the natural disease for those people who really have a tough time. Is it a good idea to do that? And, and for how long, we don't know in, in an adult in a, anybody, but especially in a child who cannot benefit and could only see risk and the, and it doesn't permit transmission. So there's actually, I was, unfortunately I've become so cynical. I think I was not surprised that the FDA was, was going to approve yeah. that, but it was super disappointing because there's so many, even the trial, it, we need to pay attention to these trials. And I, I just find lately that the data sitting there clearly, but it's the way it's presented to the people who make the decisions. If you really dive down into it, you would never approve it. It was not, it was not a good study and it did not look good. So. Yeah, I would, I think I'm maybe even more cynical than you in that. I would say it's not, in, in my own opinion, based on nothing but a but a hunch, which is the basis of all <laughs> scientific research, right? But no, I I've stopped looking at it as early on. I was really trying to look at it as you know they're doing what they think is best. They're sure. they're clamping down on misinformation because sure. you know in whatever in during an emergency mm -hmm. you gotta X Y and Z. All right, mm -hmm. but very quickly that sort of doe-eyed optimism has really kind of been like excised from my soul and that I look at it now and I'm like, this is an incompetence. No one's pulling the wool over their eyes. This is what we are seeing is probably what's been going on forever. We are just now through various means, I don't know, social media leaks, all that good stuff. We're having the veil kind of pulled back and you're seeing the incestuous relationship yeah. between corporations and government and i know that's just i know that's the most low-hanging fruit criticism ah corporations and government like yeah what are what well, tommy what other hot takes do you have murders bad like i get that but i mean like you, you kind of expect it you kind of expect it with like defense contractors right i mean you go back right. to dwight eisenhower giving the military industrial speech in january 1961 smedley mm -hmm. butler giving it in summer 1933 
it, it kind of it doesn't make it better. But you're like, of course, they're of course, they're making right. money and there's kickbacks. It's it's kind of like the devil, you know. And sure, we always kind of knew it with like they're going to feed you opioid or opiates or, you know, that all the memes and, you know, endless jokes about like they say the side effects really fast at the end of the commercial. That's all right. This was this was, I guess, new to even my sort of red pilled and cynical mind and that. Like you could see it to me, it's not even like the negativity of the vaccines, although it is abundant. It's. It's the blocking of the things that do work. Correct. Like that, ivermectin, and hydroxychloroquine. That's yeah. when I started. That is, I guess that was my red film moment. I remember in probably summer of 2020, and people started talking about options that they were using all over the world, the country, this country, and they were having super wonderful success. And then I would go, oh, this is wonderful. I didn't have to treat the children that I saw, but I wanted to give that information to their families. And you'd go and you'd look it up and you couldn't find it. it. You, you would, it would be taken down. And I thought, this is the most odd. This is not what we do. It's not Snopes what we do in medicine. has debunked ivermectin. <laughs> so then, you know, I started looking at the connections and I'll be honest with you in medicine, we cannot even take a pin in our, in our offices, let alone it's, you know, doing a lunch or something for our staff, they have to report it. And yeah. so they, they want to remove that temptation for us to write a product based oh, on yeah. kickbacks that we would get or anything. So they've, it's, it's, it's difficult to even get a pen from a drug rep. Yeah. So most doctors, I can tell you, I was one of them never ever would think that our FDA or CDC NIH, we thought they were pure. I, I don't, you know, I guess I'm just naive. I thought maybe so defense contractor, but I would think so just, did I. you wanted to keep out that element of medicine because obviously it's going to, you're not going to get really good information if you've got something, some financial incentive to, to hold something back. And, and so then that leads you down to a whole new trail. So, and I think a lot of doctors, because we just, we can't, it's been so hard to fathom that anyone in our government, in our, our, our uh, medical societies or anything, anybody would want to do, hold back anything that would cause us harm or give us anything that would cause us harm. And I think most physicians, it is so implausible that that's why the many of it, I will say still a majority are still, they can't fathom it. So it just can't exist. And it's almost too hard to look at. And so they, so many just choose not to, and they just continue to trust what they hear. So they don't need to go look if it says safe and effective, then it's safe and effective. Unfortunately, now we have, people. So, you know, lay people and it's happening in their families. It's happening with their children. It's happening with elite athletes. Um, and it, the exposure is there. And so they're coming to say, you can't tell us it's safe and effective anymore. And if we, as a collective group of physicians and providers, we don't start opening our eyes, then the trust between us and our, our patients is going to be further eroded. And that is my fear. You know, I, I think we're going to have to listen more. We've got to quit being fearful. I've never seen a whole group of physicians in primary care just not want to see patients physically. Um, I got it in the beginning, but there was a point where, especially you're, you know, you you have if you're trusting the vaccine enough, you're double, triple vaccinated, you've got your mask on, whatever you want to do, then you should be comfortable seeing patients again. 
And I still see that it's, you know, if you have the even thought of COVID or the, or the symptoms there, you're going to have to do it through video. There's something to seeing someone on video. It's sterile. You really can't get a good physical exam. The other thing is, is just making people feel like they, they have like leprosy or something. And Mm -hmm. so it's important that we look people in the eye and that we um, examine them, you're going to miss a lot of things. And so there were several of my moms I would see, I'm looking at their babies to find out if they have COVID, they're fine. And the mother looks terrible. And she's like, I just can't get anybody to listen to me. And I'm worried I have some, you know, pneumonia or whatever. I was like, well, I'll listen to you. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn, but some reason physicians got scared to treat a disease. And I, again, once the information came out, we knew what to do you know, we needed to, to trust that. And we've, it's like, to me, it's like, you know, you, you've trained for an event, you've trained to say military, you've trained to fight an enemy and then you, there's the enemy right in front of you. And you're like, no, I don't don't feel safe doing this. And I'm going to, I'm going to retreat. I don't think this is going to be good. That's, that is what we do. We fight disease or we try to prevent, you know, bad things from happening. And we just totally obfuscated our, our responsibility. And that's the saddest thing to me. And it's, it's actually really hard still for me to understand why it's taking this long. And we still have, and these, these doctors aren't, they're not, they don't have any foul intentions. They truly believe it, that the vaccine is safe. The vaccine is effective. There are no treatments. We can't give you anything. Um, you, you need to take this protocol. There's nothing else we can do. Um, we need to keep you safe. We need, you know, whatever it is. And without now having any evidence to back it up and actually evidence to the contrary. So it's kind of a lot of things to touch on. One of them is, uh, yeah, it's like the, it's, it's the, it's kind of the bullshit critique of looking at this and saying, I think something's amiss, but you think every doctor and every nurse is in on it. They can't keep a secret. Well, I mean, I look, I mean, Project S1, the Manhattan Project, at the time, despite having like 20,000 employees, and out, aside from Oppenheimer, there were only three men in the world that knew what it was. Mm-hmm. When Harry Truman became president after FDI, FDR died in Warm Springs, Georgia, for 13 days, he still didn't know what Project S1 was until finally he was pulled aside by General Leslie Groves. It was like, hey, you know, this big ass thing that like yeah. we haven't told you about. And Truman was kind of like, you know, what is it? I think in his journal, he was like, I suspected it was something. Fan- it was the A-bomb. So like secrets yeah. can be kept. But then there's this whole like we're talking about defense contractors, right? I'm just now I'm reading about like the Gulf of Tonkin, like the what got us into the Vietnam War and how really it was like echoes of radars bouncing off of our own ships and our young, scared servicemen like I would be immediately like it's torpedoes and they they messaged it back and it went to the nsa and so when you go back and you go oh you think everyone in the navy was in on it no there was a couple Mm -hmm. guys at the highest levels namely defense secretary mcnamara that testified that there was something going on and decades later he was like whoops lol jk so that's kind of one critique is you think everyone's in on it no not at all like Mm -hmm. you said i mean you can't you can't know everything when you're a doctor and you go to medical school and residency and do a fellowship somewhere and you're in surgery or pediatrics or whatever. You can't know the newest technology on synthesizing or modeling 3D replication of proteins. You just can't. Correct. Correct. And so you do have to defer to a certain level 
the things that I myself, despite, you know, we look at the defense contractors and maybe it's because it has to do with war. We just go, eh, yeah, they all have some horns, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you look at like the FDA or the CDC or something and there is and maybe it's our own. Maybe we've drank the Kool-Aid, but you do look at it and it's like. It's like the it's the Mount Olympus of medicine. It's like they're above even Harvard, the white coats. It's what it is, right? They're the good people. Right. And to kind of pull into so one, that is why, like, no, not every nurse is in on it. Like you don't need them to be because of the goodness specifically of medicine, the goodness of their hearts, the Hippocratic oath, the first do no harm. It I, I think it's okay to assume that they're that they have the best of intentions. And to pull that into your second point there's also the you don't want to look at it it's because its connotations are too evil yes when you know it's it's like growing up uh growing up going to private catholic school and you know the, the, it's the priest it's the, the priest is the best still to this day i mean the priest at my high school father lopez an absolute saint he he said the he said the service for my brother's funeral in 2014 i love him to this day i take a bullet for him but growing up, it's hard when you're 12 yeah. or 14 and everything associated with like church is like we're giving to the poor. We're going to go volunteer our time at St. Vincent de Paul. We're going to give to those who don't have as much as we do. And it's instilled in you at such a young age that like this is good. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, all right, well, that was weird that there was like a priest who was a pedophile. Right. And then there's like a second and then like a fifth. And then like Pope Ratzinger steps down because he was moving priests around. And at a certain point, you're like, it is kind of like the concussion. It is almost like you don't you don't want to look at the light. It's yeah. way too bright, way too <laughs> yeah. bright because right. the connotations are so evil. Like you can, you can understand that there's a pedophile. Like it just sucks. There is murder. There is rape. There are tornadoes. But then at the highest levels, it was being moved from the right. Vatican and that's where I think that's the worst part is I think Dr. Malone said it on here last summer. He was like, at best, you hope it's just fear. It's a pandemic. Is it a, is it a right. bioweapon? Whatever. We just we got to give everyone on 9-11. I know I'm going on a tangent on 9-11 uh, when they were moving Air Force One around from from base to base mm-hmm. and they had fighter jet escorts. The head physician on, on Air Force One at one point went around the whole plane and gave everyone i think a z-pack it's the fog of war they're like i don't was there a bioweapon mm. are we just not going to know for 12 hours i'm rather be safe than sorry mm. and he gave everyone like a like a whole pack and it was like you take one every whatever you know 12 hours for a week well one guy took all of them and the, and the doctor was freaking out he was like oh man i'm gonna there's the only fatality on air force one on 9 11 is gonna be because i gave them but the point is is like you look back and you go that makes sense. They hit the Pentagon, the World Trade Center. There's one in Shanksville, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Yeah, maybe you give a, a, a Z-Pack preemptively and you allow that. But mm-hmm. and at first, I think that's what a lot of people, including Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone, thought like, hey, they're really just that's why there's censorship. That's why they're pushing this. That's why there are going to be mandates because we just don't know what's going on. But as the time trickles on yeah and you start to look at it as not an emergency and they're still doubling down tripling right, down right and they can't be sued and they're posting record profits yeah and you're starting to look at it and it's like 
at some point you have to take off the shades and go, yes, I think there's, there's a problem. I think there's pure evil. And I think it's probably irreparably damaged the patient physician relationship. I hope not. Well, I, I think it probably has, but the reality is, is we have to address it now. So when yes, you have a lump, I agree. Hey, that might be cancer. I hope it's not yep. too, but if it is, let's go get it checked now. Mm-hmm. And exactly. I know I'm kind of rambling and rambling like I always do, but that's kind of how I feel is right. the best people had the best intentions mm-hmm. and a few insidious parasites right. did and currently are and will continue to suck the blood, the metaphorical blood out of the well-meaning physicians and the well-meaning Americans who thought it was their patriotic duty to, after 9-11, it was see something, say something. A lot of people are like, I don't think I need the vaccine, but I'm going to do it. We're going to get out of this. And some, some true demons at the top are doing it. And it's, and now they're, now they're using kids for it. Right. And I, you know, now at this point, I just expect more from my physician community. And I'm speaking specifically for them because we have been trained in a way to, you know, medicine is is fascinating. It's, it's a mystery right in front of you, especially with a child that can't tell you what it's hurting. And you really have to consider uh, the history from the parent. You got, you're watching them, you're looking at them. And there's so much evidence and you have to then say, well, wait, this isn't fitting the traditional, what I was taught, you know, in that, uh, or this algorithm, something's up here and we need, and, and so you, you, you open your eyes, you're saying something's not quite right. And I, I, I found from the beginning, if I wanted to have a conversation with my colleagues and, and you bring it up, there was such a wall and wow you know, especially early on, cause I was figuring out stuff. I was like, what, why, why are we doing this? And why can't we use this? And this is such a great uh, option. And, and then it was very, um, trust the science. Stop questioning. Right. You, well, you just can't, you can't do that. You can't have that. You can't use that. Um, you, you, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to, you know, you might get your license taken away. You need to be quiet. I was like, what? But in the end right now, though, we have, we have people who are being harmed. I mean, have been harmed and it's going to be harmed if we don't open our eyes, look at our information. That's what we're trained to do. Look at the information. And it may, it may not be good, but if we keep going down this road, it's going to be a whole lot worse. And I think we're, we already see, we've seen, I think if we had, we had worked together, collaborated, if you just step back and go, why would any other physician not want to, uh, to, to, to keep us from knowing that there's early treatments available. If it doesn't work, okay, but at least give it a shot. And, you know, there's so many studies, you know, to the positive, say for ivermectin, God forbid, I'll say that word in, in my medical community. But if it's working and you see all these studies, I mean, a lot, right? But then you see one that says not effective, but then you go back and see, well, who, now I know to go back and see who supported that study. Yeah, funded by Moderna. Now, you know, I didn't know I needed to do that. So it's actually opened my eyes a lot. But again, you get one study that comes up and says, oh, you know, this medicine who has had one study and it's working really well and everybody goes to that study. It's almost like the you. it's okay over here that you only had one study and it wasn't done well. And now you're like, okay, this is what we need to use. But these, you know, 75 studies that show effectiveness 
but we're, it, you still can't use it. And physicians even go to natural immunity. We've always known, you know, you get chicken pox, you know, it, hardly anybody gets it anymore because of the vaccine. But if you did have it and you're going to say college and they're saying you need to verify that if they didn't get the vaccine, that have they had wild type disease and sometimes we grew antibody levels, we'd never give the vaccine again. You know, you'd say, okay, you have antibodies. We don't see measles anymore, but if there was a case, somebody had measles, they would not get that vaccine. Same with polio. So we've always known that. So I knew there was a problem when they said, oh yeah, I know you've had it, but you still need to get it. But there was no, even in the studies, it was, they were excluded from the study if they had COVID. So I, I, it just didn't make sense. And so I expect, I, I am not the brightest physician. I can tell you. So, I mean, I think I did pretty good, but I just feel like we've got to get back to the common sense of medicine and we've got to get our blinders off because people do need to trust us. And I think now, especially in pediatrics, we're, we're, we've gotten very callous in terms of, well, many um, groups in our area, if you don't vaccinate on the schedule, you have to leave the practice. And so then it funnels all these children who, because a lot of parents right now, they're like, well, why? They're starting to ask questions. Before it was like, my doctor said it was safe and effective and that's what we need to do. And they didn't even ask, you know, some did. And, it, and I'll be admittedly, I would kind of go, oh gosh, here we go again. You know, and I would try, I would listen, but then, I, you know, sometimes I can tell you, I've probably got a little, you know, uh, a little more irritated and I admit it. I hate being wrong. And I, I even told my partners, this is one of those times I don't want to be right about this because the implications are bad and it makes us look really bad. But this is one of those times I would rather be wrong. Well, now I'm admitted there are some things that I don't even understand. And I agree with you about no entity producing a product should have no liability. And yeah. as pediatricians, we just knew in that 1986 um, uh um, ruling about, you know, not letting them have liability. They also weren't really letting us have liability. And I got it then, of course, right? Because it sounded good that you wanted to keep families who had had the rare child who had a vaccine injury or death. You, you wanted to get them back on their feet, had not have to go through years of litigation, but you don't realize that really the, the back story is, oh, wait, there's, you know, now there's, you know, hundreds of vaccines in the, in the, in the works and, we're just adding, 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 and we keep saying they're safe and effective. And then they're adding another one and adding another one, but did they look at them? You know, are we still needing some of these? These are things people are asking me about now. And I really have to sit and just pause because I, and, and that's what the COVID vaccine forced me to do. And right now I'm just telling you just this past week, or I guess in the last few weeks, even Dr. McCullough, Dr. Corey, I, I, they got, um, you know, the cease and desist from their, um, internal medicine boards and, and they're now having to respond and they're being, their licenses are threatening to be revoked. I got this letter back, um, you know, uh, sometime last year, same thing. It was the, it was a collaboration between American board of internal medicine, family practice and pediatrics. And I looked at it and, you know, when you, when you say you don't want physicians to give misinformation, right. I agree. But what if it's the misinformation is this vaccine is safe and effective? Who is well, who is being more diabolical there? You know, as Dr. I think it was Dr. Corey said on Joe Rogan. I think it was him. But uh, he goes the the plane goes through some turbulence. And then the intercom cracks on and it's the pilot saying we just hit some turbulence, uh, but everything's OK now. 
Well, what happens when someone ran into the cockpit, like 9-11, slit the pilot's throats and then got on the intercom and said, please remain calm, everything's okay. What happens when the elite institutions are captured? And really the last line of defense is your own critical thinking, right? right. It's, it's, it's the critical, that's exactly right. It's so, it's so easy. I mean, I remember seeing a quote I think it was like my junior, senior year of college when I was just full hog going pre-med. It's all I was doing. It's all I was studying, but I wasn't entirely sure, like deep down inside, if I got a little too drunk or smoked a little bit too much pot, I would start questioning, like, is this really what's making me happy? Is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? But I would just keep going because I got to study OCHEM tomorrow. I got to study physics. I got genetics. I got molecular biology next semester. Just got to blah, blah, blah. I got to take the MCAT. I got to shout out doctors. But you're doing the next thing and the next thing. And I remember seeing like someone post on Reddit or something. And it was like, hey, I like dropped out of medical school years ago. There's one thing you need to remember is that no academic advisor or professor is going to tell you, hey, you need to take a semester off and maybe think if this is this what you want to do. They can teach you the class and they're very good at it. And they're very, very good at it. They're never going to tell you, hey, you got to go deep down inside and think, is this what you want? And that kind of set me on a path of trying to look outside the books. I could memorize every equation. I mean, truly, almost like some Rain Man stuff. I could memorize just everything. And it doesn't, it doesn't help you to, it doesn't help you to think critically and thinking critically it, it almost is like the most beautiful upper level class it's mm-hmm. like beyond graduation because no one even teaches it you have to learn it on your own you have to learn that it even exists and there are all these other parts to it where it's you know like you take uh whatever you take biology and that's one thing and then you take ochem but then there's also ochem lab and it's like oh there's this whole physical aspect we're actually putting <laughs> stuff in beakers or whatever uh-huh. and there are all these and then there's like another level to like getting in medical school where it's like well now outside of school you also got to go like volunteer at a hospital and get letters of recommendation you got to have extracurriculars and then there's like even another level where it's like and then you got to go to your interview and you got to make sure you sleep well the night before and you got to have a suit and you got to un- look like you know what you're saying mm-hmm. and they're all just these sort of like tertiary and quaternary like a fat and it's just like a beautiful game and that's kind of what i've found with like critical thinking is like no one's going to tell you to to think critically and then when you start doing it you're going to get you're going to get peer pressure but not peer pressure in the sense like I published research in aquatic toxicology and you have like peer review stuff in college and it's whatever, this sucks and you're an idiot. And no, I'm not. You are. And you, you, you go at each other and then you, whatever, you slap your name on it. But like, like peer review and like critical thinking is, is there's no scientific basis for it. Actually, it's a lot, it's a lot more vicious because they just start attacking who you are. It's an anonymous uh, uh, comment on a YouTube video you're a jackass. You're spreading misinformation or even worse. It's a, it's a close friend or a distant family member yeah. saying like, dude, you disgust me. You're spreading misinformation. Yeah, awful. And then, and then you have to start going, well, am I actually being bad? You have to start going because you can't just go full yeah. arrogance. You can't go, no, right. I'm right. Because right. it's critical thinking. And right. then, but then there's these other levels, like, like me, you start getting suspensions from YouTube and they're like, if you keep it up, you're going to get banned. And then you have to stop and start going like, hold on, am I actually doing like harm to the public? Like, right. should I be doing this? Should I just stay yeah. in my lane and just be a funny guy? Oh, yeah, I've been through there a lot. But then like, so you talk to these other like a Dr. McCullough and like a Dr. Malone. Exactly. And it's like Dr. McCullough is the most published cardiorenal physician in world history. And Dr. Malone holds nine of like the 10 patents on mRNA vaccines. And you're like, 
these guys are saying to me personally, Tommy, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing the right thing. But then the news is telling me that these guys are quacks. But I'm like, are there are their credentials real or not? They are real. So critical thinking tells me I have to listen to them and not the guy on Fox News. And then it keeps going and going and going. And finally, you get to a point like two years later where you go, actually, yeah, a lot of people are dying from this. Actually, it doesn't have long term efficacy. Actually, these are people clearly want to listen right. to it. Joe Rogan's first and second most downloaded episodes of all time are oh, yeah. Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough, respectively. Mm-hmm. And then the worst part of it all is I didn't even want to be right. Like you said, oh, no, no, literally everyone I know and love, literally everyone I know and love has the vaccine. No part of me is like, ha, your heart tissue is going to start atrophying. Like, no, there's no, Yay, you won the lottery. Like you won the lottery that you're going to be the one th- one thrown off a cliff. I didn't want to win it. But the critical thinking is when you're attacked by everyone and everything, when the pilot comes on the intercom and says you're okay, you have to go, is that the pilot? And everyone yeah. around you is going, what you think the plane's hijacked and you're like, I'm just I'm just saying it's it's weird because, you know, I got a phone call and it says that like both World Trade Centers on fire. Like, mm-hmm. All right, idiot. But the critical thinking is so tough because it's not that you're being attacked in a in a scientific manner using the scientific right. method. It's personal attacks. It it's is. social attacks. And those are or it's professional. Yeah. Oh yeah, or that. Or the, or, or or you get letters of saying we're going to rescind mm-hmm. your I mean, I know how hard it was to get into medical school. I didn't go. I decided not to go. I can't imagine going and doing residency and being a practicing physician and having built up a reputation and it being the income you used to provide for your family and pay off the student loan debts. And then all of a sudden someone says, just give this vaccine or we're going to take away your license. Yeah, you, you might be a little tempted to go screw it, whatever, take no. the vaccine. No, I disagree. I, that's well, where, there, there you go. That's I, better this than is, me. It's so hard for me to understand that logic. Um. <sighs> because we didn't go into medicine for that. And yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't live with myself if just anything I do for a patient. I mean, and I have made mistakes, but the one thing is you said at the beginning is that something's not working or it did cause harm or you, you learn from other people. You either, you have to pivot and adjust away from that or really go search it out. Was it really, did it, was it related to that? Or was it related to something else? And we actually have to, we have to realize that we are fallible but we have to realize we're fallible and we have to say, wait, this isn't making sense anymore. And when patients and people, they know it, nurses, they know it, they're seeing it. And even our nurse practitioners or PAs, I'll tell you who's, <laughs> who got us, really got us the early treatment options. We're not, it was mostly the, uh, the specialist and the integrative health doctors and, the, and, and, and providers. I, it wasn't us allopathic trained uh, you know, primary care providers in outpatient world, we should have been fighting to get these treatment options for our patients. So we didn't, in, a, in what world have we ever said, go home, we can't do anything for you. We know you're coughing normally in any other thing, but COVID we would have said, oh, here's something you can take for that. Or here's some anti-inflammatories or, oh, wait, it, when, when I started seeing other countries literally giving out COVID packs and it had in it either hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, it had doxycycline it had um uh tylenol it had a pulse ox it had i i have pictures of them oh yeah one, no. one, Mexico, one of, india 
And in El Salvador, when I am as a physician or a, or a citizen jealous of those nations, of their treatment for a pandemic, I, 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 can't, I can't for the life of me get into my head, what did we not listen to? Why is our mortality, in-hospital mortality, and out higher than, you know, these other nations. I mean, Africa, I thought it would be decimated. We have to pay attention. Our discernment of critical thinking is why was it not? Yeah. Could it be that because they take that preventive uh, hydroxychloroquine, the Sunday, Sunday medicine, or is it in these other areas where they, you know, the, the, they didn't, their, their leader said, Hey, let's give out ivermectin. And all of a sudden you see these case rates go down. We're trained to say what, what is working in other places? And we didn't do that. And we were told, don't look, you can't use this. Don't. And we still, and I say we collectively, I, I still can't get it through my head how two years later, we're still here. But I, I'm telling you, I think at this point, I think we're going to have to look toward um, other agencies that do not have any financial ties to give us false information. And they may have to replace, and I, you know, I can't make this happen. These agencies who have done us harm, and we also may have to have a total overhaul of our, our medical societies. Um, you know, the um, the um, AAPS, what is it? The Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. They they have a they don't have any financial ties. I started listening, looking at them. They had they were the one of the first to put out a protocol um, of what people could do. I was literally, I had a little thing. I would. This is what these are the vitamins you need to take. These are for the adults, right? Because they're they were told to do nothing. I was like, wait, there are some things you can do. Here are the vitamins. Here, here's a here's a whole list of groups you can. If your doctor doesn't want to call in anything, here's a gr- groups of um of telemed docs or people who or somebody in our area who I can refer you to. Because it was, I, I literally, I watched one of my moms and I still get emotional about it. She had three, she has three children and healthy. You know, she'd had a, her last one was 18 months old. Just one of my favorite. I love my moms, but they're like your top 20 or so. And she's, well, she's right up there. And um, so it was um, uh, last summer and they all get COVID. I don't know if she was vaccinated or not. At this point, it doesn't matter, but she was told to do nothing by telemed. She didn't get to get seen. They said, come in in two weeks. We'll recheck you. She didn't have the respiratory thing. She just, felt bad and she just couldn't even get out of bed. Where was the information by our CDC and our FDA? Take vitamin D, get outside. Um, here, uh, here's a, oh, let's do the nas- nasopharyngeal Nasal. cleansings. Yeah. Where, it is such a, it's such a common sense thing to me now. Oh, you've got this viral load inside of you. Let's decrease it. Where is such simple things. Why aren't we being told to even do that? You can take the ivermectin hydroxychloroquine. If you just do that, you could save lives. So she was told to do nothing. Two weeks later, she's just now getting well enough to get up out of bed and she's starting to move around. And she literally had clotted unbeknownst to her and sent clots to her lungs, brain or whatever. And she died right in front of her, for her in front of her husband. And now those three children have no mom. And this is a repeated story over and over and over again. But now we've added in, oh, you have this healthy you know, teen athlete who's forced to get the vaccine, right? And now they're not here, or now they can never do their elite athlete, uh, what they trained their entire lives to do. And uh, even my own daughter was supposed to play at a college and in basketball and, and 
the day after commit day, she was told, you know, you're going to have to get the vaccine. And we let her make her own decision because she's 18. We gave her the risk, the benefits. Sure. And the day we found this out, there was the, the, the child and co- teenager basketball player who's going to be a senior Colorado who had gotten his first Pfizer vaccine, I think. And he, had, uh, he got, you know, two or three clots in his brain the same day we hear this information. So I think that weighed on her. And the day, the last day she could have gotten the, the vaccine, she she just had to give up her dream. She had worked so hard. We were so, you know, looking forward to watching her play. And uh, she had to go a different route. And so she uh, had to just, you know, another plan for her. And so, um, but it was, it was quite, a, and I just see this, but it's the worst when you actually were forced to take it. You didn't want to take it, but you had to do it to keep your job. I can tell you right now in retrospect, um, you know, we should have kept on. If we knew that natural immunity was important and all these healthcare providers had it. Those are the people you did not want to fire. You wanted to keep on. Um, and, and here we did. We let them go. So. Well, that's how you know it's about money. Because there's a million other markers. Yeah. But the biggest one is that the heroes of summer 2020 turned into the un- non-compliant uh, bastard employees of summer 2021 yeah. and dirty playgrounds. And, yeah. you know, when we're talking about look at India or, yeah, you see those that, yeah, it's like they're pictures from like airports in Mexico where it's like for 75 cents, you can get a packet of ivermectin, mm-hmm. hydroxychloroquine, aspirin, vitamin D, quercetin, zinc. And you go, how come that's not happening here? How come they told people to go home again? I will give leeway to maybe for the first three months. What the hell is this? I remember Googling is like, is this the end of the world? <laughs> like, because everything was shut. I had never in my life seen everything shut down. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's okay. You, you, they gave the order to shoot down any plane that wouldn't respond to uh, radio calls on 9 11. You can't do that five years later or 20 years no. later. But on the mm-hmm. afternoon of, right, it's kind of justified. Two mm-hmm. World Trade Centers collapsed, Pentagon's on fire. Okay. But you look at it now. And all these kids that have died, I've interviewed uh, vaccine injured individuals. One of them was a professional uh, uh, cyclist. She would go riding like 100 miles a day. She's like 10 years older than me. Now she can't move around. I mean, a cardio machine. And now she can't move around her house without a cane. And you start looking at it and you go, how come we're not doing this? There's no common sense. Eventually, you you And they're being ignored. They're being ignored. They're being not just you know, ignored. They're being actively they're, censored. Absolutely. And and even there, they had like, I know there was times when they had like a Facebook group. It was the only thing keeping oh, them yeah. alive. Oh, yeah. Because they, they could reach out down. and talk to each other. They could but, say, hey, uh, yeah. The where's the physician? Thing. Where's the physicians when I think you're where their blinders are on so much? And I say we collectively. Did you get that person who literally within a week of of the vaccine having these side effects, it is a vaccine side effect until proven otherwise. You have to go on that, still an experimental vaccination. You have to go on that that kind of premise, presumption, but it's the opposite. It's like, oh, it can't be the vaccine. It like immediately, it's like, oh, it can't be the vaccine. There's a clot in the brain. It happened within a week. It can't be the vaccine it's, or can it? It's, it's the, what was the headline from, I think two days ago, the new growing phenomena of climate change where healthy young adults drop dead unexpectedly. Oh, Lord in heaven. I didn't know it was climate change. That's insane. That's that's weird. And again, at a certain point, the mystery of it, the head scratching, this doesn't make any sense. 
it starts to go away and you go, they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. It is a, it is a rare opportunity. Let's look at, I mean, let's look at FDI. If I can recall after nine years of reading it for med school interviews, what is it? Three or four phase clinical trials takes about 15 years, 1.5 billion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. $1.5 billion on average to bring a drug Mm -hmm. to market. And that averages in all the ones that didn't get to market. Right. So let's look at it when, um, Hey, you can just skip that part. Okay, cool. Now I'm a, I'm a private business with a fiduciary responsibility. I don't have to pay that 1.5 billion. Bingo. This is great. Is there anything else to it? Yeah. Well, not only that, uh, for the R and D that you do have to do, uncle Sam's going to pay for it. Right. Great. What else yeah. about it? Oh, it's it's a it's a windfall. It, oh yeah, it's so you don't have to pay the one point five billion. You're actually going to be yeah. paid to make it. Hey, you're going to yes. stockpile. It doesn't even right. matter if people use it. We'll pay for it. Right. Tell me more. What else do you have? Right. Not only that, uh, you can't be sued. Are you messing with me? What 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 else? <laughs> and not only that, everybody from an infant you can't make to it a ninety nine year old is going to take it. Yes. Can this get any better? Right. We're right. going to mandate it and tell you that if you to- don't take it, you can't participate in the world. You've got to be messing with me. Is there anything else? Fuck it. We'll get in bed with big tech. And if anyone questions it, we'll censor them and get them removed and socially ostracized. What do you say? We, we need what to wake think up. What's going to happen? <laughs> I know, exactly. World? But that, that's our retrospective scope, right? But in, in, I can say where, I was screaming that two years ago. I can, yeah. Pro- oh, yeah. I, can, I can proudly say I was screaming that in 2020. Yep. Yeah. But, but here's the other extreme. So now I have to stop myself because now I'm thinking almost everything is, you know, you could, you could almost go the other way. Like everything is a potential, well, you know, bad thing for you. And so a lot of people well, are like, Oh, I, and I've got families now. I don't want any more vaccines and they vaccinated their well, other children. And that's kind of what I wanted to come back to is, Despite all of that, I am still a student of science. I have all of my vaccines. Actually, last year I got a booster, I, but I got a tetanus booster because it's been like 15 mm-hmm. years. And coincidentally, I had actually, I had actually cut myself on like a rusted thing in my closet. Right. And I was like, oh, wow. So despite I'm on medications, I, I right. do, I believe in science. I am lucky in that I was pre-med and that I did study all this stuff. And I understand that it is real, but there are a lot of people. And can you blame them whose kid died or whose mom died or who can't ride a bike anymore or who who have Guillain-Barre syndrome? And they're going, you know what? Get rid of this multivitamin bullshit. My kids don't need fruits and veggies if the government and you're going, no, 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 no. Fruits and veggies. Good. Take the multivitamin. And they're going, well, you know, I was told. And can you blame them? And to me. And I'm with you. Yeah, you have to, you know, you're climbing down like the slope. You're climbing down like the sl- it's a slippery slope, and you're stopping part way down. And you're going, okay, this is why we're seeing that there is a conflict of interest with the COVID vaccines. It's really tempting to go, is anything real? Are airbags safe? And it's like, no, you have to, you have to, you have to pause. You have to use some rationality. Like, right. no, no, I do believe that my bottled water is safe. Like, I do believe that my Apple laptop or MacBook mm-hmm. isn't going to blow up in my face. I, I do believe that, you know, the automatic valve at the gas station will shut off when I'm I, I, I flew on two planes on Monday. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe that the, that the planes are taken care of. Like, 
you can't go all you in. Can't go, yeah, you can't go through life worried about everything around the corner and, and believe every single conspiracy theory. You, you really have to it's the, back to that discernment, that common sense. You can't go entirely through the looking glass. It's no. good to, and that's again, that's the other beautiful part about the game of critical thinking is, is like, you have to know when to stop, right? It's yeah, like pulling a thread. And you, right. at, at what point do you go from like popping a pimple to you're actively like picking at your skin? It's like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You're going too yeah. far. And yes. it is, I mean, from an objective standpoint, it is, it's a beautiful cerebral game, but mm-hmm. I think that above all else, I mean, the vaccinations are, are terrible for the effect they're having on people and the censorship. And like you said, pulling away those groups of them saying like, I feel like I'm crazy, but this happened to me and this happened. And it's the saddest thing because you'll see people come out and it's like, they feel the need to say like, I don't, I'm not, I'm pro-vax, I'm pro-science. And you're like, they'll even throw in political views. Like I voted right. for Biden. It's like, dude, you're, it's okay to talk about <laughs> a blood clot you got. Yes. Like it's so like, don't, you shouldn't, we don't look at a rape victim and say, and make her no. say, you know, why well, I was wearing a high skirt. No, that you, your, your bodily autonomy was violated. You don't need to preface no. it with anything. No. And so people say, hey, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not some Alex Jones type. I, no, 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 no. You took the vaccine and then you fell flat on your face because you had a brain, a, a blood clot in your brain. Mm-hmm. It's okay to talk about that. It is wrong that you're being told not to talk about I it. I agree. I agree. And so that's bad. Even worse is we're going to shut down the stuff that does work, right? I mean, it's one thing if you push a new medication, here's a brand new whatever. And you're like, doesn't that just do what Benadryl does, but it just costs a thousand dollars a pill. You kind of expect them to show the product, but I, at least I can still go buy Benadryl at Walmart. Right. There's a whole other demon. When you go the vaccines, you push it and a critical thinker goes, I, I, I don't want that. And then they shut down alternative treatment. That's the second worst thing. And then the third, and I think which will probably have the worst effect and it will take decades to amend is the complete disintegration that a lot of people justifiably so will have with why should i ever go to the doctor why should i ever go there for a cough i don't need vitamin c i don't need to clean a wound after i get scratched i don't believe in germ theory why do i need penicillin that this is why we gotta wake up it's and that damage and that damage is already done it is it's not if it 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 is and it's yeah we yeah, have to but get to it now. We do. And I think, um, you know, thank God for all these doctors who've been speaking out. Um, and I'll never forget watching uh, Dr. McCullough and then Dr. Corey on the uh, um, the Senate floor and their testimonies. Uh-huh. And that was a that was a huge wake up call. I, was, I think I was literally cry. I went back and listened to the whole thing and, you know, wanted to oh, hear yeah. more. But I, that's what we that I thought that was our wake up moment. And then you think, Oh, here it is. Or here's this next thing that's come out now. Okay. This is going to do Surely it. Everyone will. And still we're still here, you know, having these discussions. And so, but I have to, um, I don't know. I, I, and this is my night. This is where I stay naive. I still think we're on the precipice of waking up and oh, we're going to yeah. have to, we're going to have to train doctors and practitioners to do better with listening and being say you what we were wrong we were wrong and for us to continue to just play that other uh is safe and effective or whatever it is that you can't use this treatment we have to be able to realize our our fallibility and that and and to say we're wrong and to move on the problem is is that we're also 
you know, in medicine, we're also, we have our egos, but our egos cannot trump and it cannot, it, it, it cannot continue to allow people to get harmed and, uh, and die. We have to say enough is enough. And, um, I think that's, uh, it, it is, it's imperative and we've got, we've got to, we've got to start, we've got to do it. We got to do it soon. And I think that's why, that's why I came on this podcast. You know, it's my first podcast. I don't know if I'll do another one. You do, you know, and you know, who knows if it goes to where it doesn't need to go, it could land me in some trouble with whomever or the board, but we should all take a pause. If anybody hears that a physician has been um, uh, taken out of practice because they had that discernment or who they were, had that questioning attitude that we've always been trained to have then that's where we need the public to say absolutely not enough is enough because otherwise you're not going to have anybody coming out and saying this is wrong. Two, two quick points I'll make, and then we'll wrap it up is I don't think it's naivety that you think we're on the eve of, we're on the precipice of waking up. I think you have to maintain that because if you lose that, it's just, it's doom and gloom. It's a spiral down to, yeah. just leads to drinking in bed and saying the world is over. You can't, <laughs> I would have just stopped practicing. I was, well, I was right there. I was but that's, right but there. But that's the equivalent. It's, it's called the black right. pill. It's where you right. just give up. That's, entirely. Right. give up. that's right. And you know, it's Charles Bukowski, maybe not the best guy to quote cause he was a raging alcoholic womanizing, but he was a great author. He had a quote that you don't need to hold on to a flame. Just hold on to a spark because a spark can burn down a forest. Mm-hmm. You have to, st- there's a reason why two years later, I still do these interviews because I refuse to give up. Maybe it's just my own spite. Well, I just well, Tom, refuse to give up. Well, Tommy, and I know this is a whole nother conversation we could have at another time, but you know, when you told me about why you started doing this and we, your, your path is already set. And I know that you have some goals, but we're going to need your kind of brain in this and your mind and your heart more than we ever have. We already were in trouble from a mental health standpoint with our, our kids well before COVID. Sure. It is what we have done in the name of protecting them or science or whatever, just with the lockdowns alone. And I could go in on and on and on of all the complications and, and academically, socially, you know, from a standpoint of addiction, mental health, whatever you want to say, physical, um, it, that is going to take its own set of uh, expertise. And um, so I applaud you. I, it's so painful to go through whatever our paths are and you're set on this path for, I believe that reason. And, um, and I, I also, before we leave, I just wanted to leave something that um, I just heard yesterday. Through, uh, it was um, something Ben Carson said, who I, you know, periodically listen to. I really like him. I, you know, I, you know, I, uh, I think he's got a lot of good common sense. He's a, he's a a physician with a lot of um, Mm -hmm. knowledge. And so he said something on a podcast I was listening to yesterday and I wanted to make sure I got that in before we, we end. And you just let me know when. Yeah, no, you can say whenever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So this was, and you know, I'm, I, I'm a Christian, so I try to get a lot of my wisdom from the Bible, but I'm also a scientist. So I'm always asking the why, right? Yeah, sure. So this is from Proverbs 24, 10 through 12. And I'm reading out the Passion Translation because a lot of times that can mean something to people. And they took Hebrew and different parts of the the language and really and kind of put in more language because that's how the Hebrew would be translated. And this is from 
24, 10 through 12. And this is the, this is the book of wisdom. If you faint when you are under pressure, you have need of courage. Go and rescue the perishing, be their savior. Why would you stand back and watch them stagger to their death? And why would you say, but it's none of my business? The one who knows you completely and judges your every motive is also the keeper of souls and not just yours. He sees through your excuses and holds you responsible for failing to help those whose lives are threatened. And so um, when I read that yesterday, there's a lot of moments I have been broken, you know, because I love my practice of medicine. It is you know, but you, you can't get this kind of um, it's a gift or it's a privilege to be able to dive into those parts of people's either minds or brains or bodies or and try to heal. Um, but um, that's why I do it. And that's why I said, yeah, I'll come in, still do this podcast, despite, you know, whatever, you know, hesitation I have, but I appreciate what you do. Well, you thank, thank you. And, but that, that, that reading actually kind of tied into the final point I wanted to make. And it's right. You see the McCullough or the, the Corey testimony, we're going to wake up now. And then you're like, (laughs) all right. And then happens again. And you're like, surely this one's it. And then again and again and again. And you said earlier, you know, we're going to have to look to agencies that aren't uh, corrupted by money. And well, I think these all kind of tie in, including the reading in that there is no one to look to. You have to start being the change. And That's it's right. not, well, not me. I don't want to be the podcast guy nah. that gets banned. Well, if you're this passionate about yeah. it, yeah. you have to. And so you when you look around and it's people still aren't waking up, eventually you have to go, look. Well, what tools do I have? I have a podcast. There are 10,000 people who listen. What tools do you have? You're a mm-hmm. pediatrician. You can speak with authority on this subject. What tools do we have together? We are put together and we can have a conversation. You have to. And right. Right. that is what you have to do. And once you reach that point, it's total liberation. Because I look in the mirror every every day where I go to bed at night and I go, you know, it is kind of all going to shit, but I'm like, I've tried so hard and I've done my best and I've put myself out there and I've been ridiculed and made fun of and ostracized. But I know that when the challenge came in my life to do the right thing, it's no longer a question of, I wonder if I would do the right thing if I was born in X, Y, or Z era. I now look back and I can smile and go, I did it. I stepped up to the plate. That's right. I got absolutely nothing from it, caused nothing but damage, but I go to bed completely at peace. Right. And I'm, I'm like, I don't care. I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm good. You want to be on the right side of history on this I, one and you want to, I'm good. Like yeah, that's, you're good. I pray and I'm like, I know I'm doing it. I, I know you're watching. I don't know if anyone else is. And I'm like, I, I got an A, you know, it all, it all comes back to this. It all comes back to the pre-med ego. I'm like, screw everyone else. I got an I got an A in OCAM. I still brag about it. I got an A on this. I did Good the right you. thing. I did the right thing. I'm like, I morally I got an A. And that's that's what you have to do. So even and I always say this to people listening. Well, what can you do? I'm not a doctor. I don't have a podcast. Share the link. Send the link. I don't know. And of course, conflicts of interest. I do want you to do that because it's my podcast. But eventually you have to stop looking around going to who's going to wake everyone up. Who's going to stand up to this evil. That's right. And and quit living in in fear. Quit practicing in fear. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for our own 
for just ourselves. You can't, you know, we can't do that anymore. And ultimately, I mean, just maybe this is just the male ego, but just look at Anthony Fauci. Is that the guy you're going to let kick your ass? I mean, I get it if like The Rock or Tom Brady, you know, <laughs> kicks the shit out of you. Oh, that's one thing. But Anthony Fauci, that's the guy taking your lunch money. I mean, stand up. Like, get Mark Zuckerberg. Like, these guys, you're worried about them banning? Like, come. Pay attention to history. You I, do. Yes, you do. I know so, I do. But And then don't let them stay in there for 50 years. You know, yeah. you, pap, money's going to corrupt you. Power's going to corrupt you. We. That's. I think every single American could actually say, and, and I don't, I, I'm an independent voter, but I think we could all agree definitely need to have some term limits of any agency, right? Because you're going to have, you've been there long enough. You're going to have corruption and you're going to be corrupted. So, yeah. Yeah. And if there are these coincidences where you fund coronavirus research and then something comes from the coronavirus lab and then you fund the monkeypox research and something comes from the monkey. I mean, guys, you can't make it up. You can't make it up. At a certain point, you know, there's (laughs) the point when you grow up and you know, your grandpa says, Oh, I got your nose. (laughs) <laughs> there is an age where you stop crying. You start going, right. I don't believe that that is my nose, sir, because <laughs> I'm breathing. And that looks an awful lot like your thumb. At a certain point, you got to look at these guys. You, and go, say- you got you know, hold on. Hold yeah. on. I'm not sure if this was just a novel monkey pox. Something's afoot. And um, and that's where the public needs to say enough is enough. Right. We There's no reason why we need to be at odds with each other because we can all agree on that. This is, makes oh, no grief. sense. Some, something's, something's a little hairy. Something's, something's but, up. But even that comes from, it all does come back to if you, if you wait to say the public surely has to notice, we'll never notice because everyone is thinking, does anybody else realize this? But no one wants to be the one to stand up and say it. It's not until you do say something that nine out of 10 people will go, I was thinking the same thing. Dang, I, 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 didn't, I, I, I didn't want to. I have so many friends text me like, dude, like I, I, I you know, I don't say anything because like, I, you know, I hate Trump and everything related to it. And I know and I know that you're a conservative guy, but like, dude, I had the same feeling, too. Could you just not tell anyone? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And like another friend will tell me like, dude, I don't want to say anything either. But like, no, this is total. These are my friends that are doctors and lawyers. And I'm like, if only you all knew everyone in the same friend circle were reaching out and saying Hey, I think this too. I'm like, just say it and you'll realize everyone around you is thinking the same thing. Right. And what is the alternative? If you keep, if you keep doing that, then you're going to end up in a, in a world and a scenario that none of us want to live in. Well, yeah, you're going to end up in a gulag going, certainly one day right. everyone's going to yeah. wake up. Now, now it's too late. Now no, it's too no, late. No. Yeah, no. Now it's, was it uh, Sol- Solzhenitsyn was, who's the gulag archipelago guy, or maybe it's Yuri Bezmenov. I don't know. One of the KG, one of the Russian guys. Who is like you? You will not know this until a until a boot hits you in your fat American butt and the gates close behind you. That's right. But there's no way out. You you uh, what was it? You you will have nothing and you will yeah. like it. No, you you will own nothing and you nothing, will be happy. And you will you will be happy. That's I right. mean, that's come right. on. There's another one. <laughs> if if it's if it's if Fauci's not the guy that's going to take your life, it's going to be Klaus, the guy that excuse me, the guy that that guy that looks like a, a circumcised dickhead. Like, that's what he looks like. He's an evil German eugenicist wearing a leather suit. Klaus Schwab's going to be the guy that tells you that you're... Come on now. Well, they're not quiet about it, are they? Well, that's what so. I mean. Is so... It's not hidden. Sorry for my vulgarity there. I, I probably don't like Klaus. But um, 
I'll edit that out if you want. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'm a, well, it's it's coming from you, not from me. So. It came from me, not you. It's uh, I I normally speak a thousand times worse than this. They're just normally with doctors. I I, try to, I appreciate that. Yes, ma'am. I, I dropped a couple <laughs> f bombs and I apologize. I tried to. I appreciate that. Yeah, as you can tell, my you white eyes skin you know starts what? to get red, and I get passionate. I, it is your passion, and I'm having to, you know, a lot of that is kind of that's the talk of these yeah, days. But you know, got to reel it in a little bit. Just, you're okay. Sure, I, I I think I did good. I normally you swear did. like a sailor. I'm yeah. I, I let a couple out, and I apologize. But sometimes the passion boils over, and I I understand. It's I relatively though. I think I did good comparative mm-hmm. to others. I will agree with you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Dr. Kristen Strange, let's wrap this one up. Would love to have you on again sometime. It's entirely up to you. I'll send you this when it's up. It'll be up sometime later this afternoon because okay. I got another podcast in like 20 minutes I got to prepare right. for. But um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for an Appreciate hour and you, minutes of your time. And uh, yeah. thanks for listening to my unhinged rants about 9-11 and Dwight Eisenhower. I actually like proteins. that. I love your, I love your insight. I mean, cause that's not something I study, but I love history. And I, if we don't, if that's why we need more people like you, because if we don't, we're going to be, we're going to do all that right same there. thing. It's repeat all right there. Same thing over and the, over again. The answer to the future is in the past. History, was it, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. It's all right there. It's all, all right, right there. there in black and white, literally right. in black and white. But Dr. Strange. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God bless. Stay safe, everybody. Take